This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Indeed, the Word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. Yes, the Word of God is living and effective today in my life and in yours. And that's the very reason why I'm offering this weekly podcast where I reflect upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. So now, please join me on Faith Moments with Dina Marie as we break open the Word of God together, inviting His Word to change our lives forever. Welcome to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, a weekly podcast to proclaim and to ponder the Sunday Mass readings. Well, today is Sunday, January the 23rd. We are now into the third Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year C, the year 2022. And so really long readings for us today as we hear the word and ponder the word, and then really, how do I live the word in my daily life? That's really part of my purpose, my hope in my own working on this project, this weekly faith moments, and then sharing it with you as a gift, as an opportunity to use a little bit of what the Lord has given me and to give that along to you. I want to begin today with a prayer. This again is in the booklet. Let me see if I can show that to you. It's from the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception located in Washington, D.C., and thousands upon thousands of people have gathered in Washington, D.C. recently for the March for Life activities in January, being a specific month where we pray for uh, the unborn, we pray for laws and uh, our culture to embrace the unborn and to protect human life at all of its stages. I wanted to share with you you this prayer. It's called the March for Life Novena Prayer to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And we know Our Lady of Guadalupe is connected to the unborn born in a special way, we see in the image of Guadalupe that she is bearing Jesus. And so she is carrying her son in her womb, and she is the patroness for the unborn in our country. So please pray with me this special prayer for life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, we turn to you who are the protectress of unborn children and ask that you intercede for us so that we may more firmly resolve to join you in protecting all human life. Let our prayers be united to your perpetual motherly intercession on behalf of those whose lives are threatened, be they in the womb of their mother, on the bed of infirmity, or in the later years of their life. May our prayers also be coupled with peaceful action, which witnesses to the goodness and dignity of all human life, so that our firmness of purpose may give courage to those who are fearful and bring light to those who are blinded by sin. Encourage those who will be, in law, who will be involved in the March for Life, help them to walk closely with God, and to give voice to the cry of the oppressed. 
in order to remind our nation of its commitment to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all people. O Virgin Mother of God, present our petitions to your son and ask him to bless us with abundant life. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. And maybe some of you have been part of the March for Life activities, whether it's in our country in Washington, D.C., or the local events that each capital usually hosts some sort of an event. I know in Oregon, the state capital next weekend will be holding its annual March for Life. The San Francisco uh, Walk for Life West Coast is usually a very big event. So let's continue to pray for the safety of all travelers and pilgrims and ask Our Lady to guide us to Jesus Christ. Our readings today, our first reading comes from the book of of Nehemiah, and a a beautiful reading to hear. And so let's continue uh, to begin this program with this reading from Nehemiah. It's in chapter 8, verses 2 through 4, 5 and 6, and 8 through 10. Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which consisted of men, women, and those children old enough to understand. Standing at one end of the open place that was before the water gate, he read out of the book from daybreak to midday in the presence of the men, the women, and those children old enough to understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. He opened the scroll so that all the people might see it, for he was standing higher up than any of the people. And as he opened it, all the people rose. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people, their hands raised high, answered, Amen, Amen. Then they all bowed down and prostrated themselves before the Lord, their faces to the ground. Ezra read plainly from the book of the law of God, interpreting it so that all could understand what was read. Then Nehemiah, that is his excellency, and Ezra, the prescribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people, said to all the people, today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad and do not weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. He said further, go eat rich foods and drink sweet wines and allot portions to those who had nothing prepared. For today is holy to our Lord. Do not be sad in this day for rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. The word of the Lord. Our psalm comes from Psalm 19, your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The decree of the Lord is trustworthy, giving wisdom to the simple. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The command of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eye. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true, all of them just. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. The law of the Lord, 
excuse me, let the words of my mouth and the thought of my heart find favor before you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. Our second reading comes from the letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, as a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, free, slaves or free persons, and we were all given to drink of one spirit. Now, the body is not a single part, but many. If a foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it does not, for this reason, belong any less to the body. Or if an ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it does not, for this reason, belong any less to the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God placed the parts, each one of them, in the body as he intended. If they were all one part, where would the body be? But as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you, nor again the head to the feet, I do not need you. Indeed, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are all the more necessary. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we surround with greater honor. And our less presentable parts are treated with greater priority, whereas our more presentable parts do not need this. But God has so instructed the body as to give greater honor to a part that is without it, so that there may be no division in the body but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share its joy. Now, you are Christ's body and individually parts of it. Some people God has designated in the church to be first, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then mighty deeds, then gifts of healing, assistance, administration, and varieties of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work mighty deeds? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret the word of the Lord? Our gospel reading today for this third Sunday in Ordinary Time comes from the book of Luke, and it's the prologue of Luke, the very first four verses in Luke, uh, chapter one, and then we move into chapter four, verses 14 through 21. So it's this beautiful opening of the gospel of Luke, and we'll hear why this is an important part of Luke to hear and to hear who it's written for and why it's written for. The gospel according to Luke. Since many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the events that have been fulfilled among us, just as those who were eyewitnesses from the beginning 
and ministers of the word had handed them down to us, I too have decided, after investigating everything accurately anew, to write it down in an orderly sequence for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may realize the certainty of the teachings you have received. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news of him spread throughout the whole region. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by all. He came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, and went according to his custom into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood up to read and was handed a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the passage where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Rolling up the scroll, he handed it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue looked intently at him. He said to them, Today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, as I mentioned opening today, it, these are long readings and they've taken some time to digest. And I think that's why we have this week to unpack some of the wisdom in these readings. But as I heard some different reflections of the history in this book of Nehemiah with the characters of Nehemiah and Ezra, a couple of things just came out at me thinking about our brothers and sisters of the past, these, these Jews who have been for around 70 years in exile. So they've been slaves and they have not been able to hear the word of God. They've not been able to hear from the first five books of the Pentateuch. And they've been, they don't really know what their Jewish tradition means because they've been captive and they have not been able to know who they are and why they are in terms of God and being the chosen people. 30 years of a generation or two generations of people who don't really know why they are or who they are. They've been enslaved and now they're coming to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and to rebuild and people like Ezra and this Nehemiah have been the leaders that have helped them to rebuild in Jerusalem once again. But they really don't have a sense firsthand of, of who they are or whose they are. And so when we hear Ezra read plainly from the book of the law of God, interpreting it so that all could easily understand what was read, in reality, when this was happening, the people hadn't heard these words before. And so if you can even imagine some of you are probably very familiar with scripture, or maybe you've been familiar with scripture since a young age where, where your family members have read the Bible to you, you've read Bible stories, or you yourself are a, are a studier of the Bible, whether you're a lay person like myself and just want to read and reflect and use the tools of the church to help us reflect on the word of God. Or maybe you're new to reading the scriptures and using something like 
you know, Father Mike Schmitz has this Bible in a year challenge and so many people have taken up on that, that they've wanted to learn more of the Bible or a great example in terms of social media is this, the chosen TV series that has brought Christians and non-Christians alike into hearing and watching these programs that are very captivating, but one of their main goals is to get you into the Bible, not into their interpretation of the Bible, but to get to read the book, the word of God. And so here's an example in real history of when these people, a whole people of God who are God's children, God's chosen ones, didn't know of their purpose, didn't know that they were part of God's divine plan for salvation. And all of the sudden, thanks to Ezra and Nehemiah, this is opened up to them by the reading of the, of the word of God, of the law. And just imagine, you know, uh, Ezra, he's standing from daybreak until midday, you know, hours and hours that, that he's going to read the word, unpack this beautiful word of God, and that the people are listening and they're hearing it for the first time. It's like if you can remember listening to the word of God for the first time and just how it touched you, maybe that the Holy Spirit was starting to speak to you and, and to open up your heart just a little bit more to God's real love for you, God's plan for you, God's chosen you specifically. Yes, as a big body, but each of us are those individual parts that St. Paul reminds us about, that each and every one of us are special and precious in God's eye. And yet coming together as a collective, as an identity, as a people of God, as brothers and sisters, as sons and daughters of the King, we have a place in salvation history as we welcome that heritage that God provides for us. And so I love how this, this, this reading from Nehemiah ends for rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. You know, the people must've been shocked in a way to hear their heritage of that. They are the chosen people as Jews and, you know, the temple and Jerusalem and all of these things about God. And yet the the men there who are chosen to help lead the people are reminding them that rejoicing in the Lord, having joy in their heritage of being creatures, delighted creatures in of God, that that has to be your strength. It's not in my strength. It's not that I could go out and conquer or I could put together a great army and I could overthrow uh, other kingdoms or groups of people. No, it's that rejoicing in the Lord gives me my strength. And that's such an encouragement when for me, so many times I feel weak, you know, uh, just in the last week in my own personal life, there's been three different people who have died. Uh, one very tragically as a young woman, not even 40 years old, uh, due to a lot of unfortunate situations in her life and to go to her, her service of life and her memorial, um, to remember the precious gift of life. And then another grandmother of our, our, 
our daughter, my stepdaughter, who just died this past week and who gave a, a beautiful, lived a beautiful life, raised four daughters or five daughters and, and had so many grandchildren and great grandchildren. And to see that life moving on. And then another man who just passed, who uh, was going to celebrate a big wedding anniversary. And on that day was in the hospital in a coma and the Lord has taken him home. And, but so we feel weak. We we're certainly sinful creatures and we encounter so many difficulties in life mental illness, emotional illness, spiritual illness, financial woes, the list goes on and on. And yet when we rejoice in the Lord, that's where we get our strength. And I I think that should give us, it gives me cause to be joyful, no matter what might be happening in my life, what might be happening in my, my state, in my country, in my world, rejoicing in the Lord has to be my strength. And so, as I mentioned just a little bit of, of we are, you know, the body of Christ and St. Paul has this really long reading and it goes on and on, but I underlined this one sentence, but as it is, God placed the parts, each one of them in the body as he intended. And there's a specific purpose for each of the parts, just like the, the word is reminding us about the eyes and the ears and the sight and the smell, everything works together. So there's not one better than the other. And we can't say, well, I don't want to use my nose. You know, I can get rid of that. No, it's part of me. We're all part of the body of Christ. And when we try to play God, when we start to maneuver our bodies, when we start to dissect our bodies as our culture has in embraced in such a a horrible way of disfiguring what God has made perfect in all of the parts of our body, in who we are created to be, male and female. We're created male and female. And we each have gifts and we complement one another. And that unity of one man and one woman in the family, in that unity of domestic life and domestic church, you know, is the beauty of the body of Christ in this family, this community that we're created in. And so we each have gifts. And if we've been baptized and received confirmation through the Holy Spirit, those gifts work in us and through us to serve, to give glory to God, to help in healing or teaching or listening or whatever the gifts are. They're all to reflect God, his love in our world. So let's look a little bit at the gospel reading. And again, I've heard several different reflections on this gospel and the person that seems to be the receiver of the letter from Luke is this Theophilus, the most excellent Theophilus. But many have said that it also, his name Theophilus means one who loves Christ. And so those who are Christ lovers or Christians would also be recipients of this letter. So I think it's fair to say that Luke is writing not only to maybe one person, but to all those who uh, are followers of Jesus Christ and wants to get the story straight, wants to get from eyewitness accounts that this is what happened, that this is who Jesus Christ is. And we want to make sure that you know 
that you're sure of who Jesus is, his ministry, and these accounts are accurate and they're true. And I love this because we see Jesus returning to Galilee. And so we've had um, the wedding feast of Cana, where we have witnessed this beautiful marriage between a young couple. Mary is there, the mother of Jesus. Jesus and some of his newest disciples are there. And Jesus begins his ministry uh, with this amazing miracle of transforming water into wine. And he publicly displays that he is God. And so here he comes back to his hometown where the people have seen him grow up. And we know that Jesus for 30 years or so lived quietly with Mary and Joseph. And at some point Joseph died and he would have taken care of Mary and whatever size of the extended family friends, uh, the close family members that would have been in Nazareth, they spent those 30 years or so living a quiet life, providing Probably in his carpentry skills, Jesus would have as he learned from his father, Joseph. And so now he goes back. And so the people who are from Nazareth know who Jesus, they know who Mary is. They, they know this family. It's a small community. And he goes back to the temple and he is given the scroll. And this is the passage that he reads. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. And so, of course, he's reading back the scripture of Isaiah. And though... Like I was trying to envision being like the people in front of Ezra, hearing the word for the first time, you know, can you imagine, can you do a, a, a movie of you being in that audience with Jesus? And he says, he says, he's so bold to say today, this scripture passage is fulfilled in your hearing can you believe that? Can you believe that he would say that? If he's the son of God, he will say it. And he did say it. And he is the son of God. I can't, it just would be so incredible to hear that. And probably shocking that here are people that grew up around Jesus and Mary and Joseph in Nazareth, heard about him, watched him grow up heard that he got lost in the temple for three days when he was 12 or 13 years of age. And he says, in your hearing this scripture, I am here to bring glad tidings to the poor is fulfilled. All of the prophecies that have been mentioned through the prophets of old, these all are coming true, fulfilled in you're hearing in my existence here, right here and right now. It's incredible. It's incredible. And so there's two different ways I look at that, that beautiful reading of Isaiah is that Jesus is the fulfillment, right? The word is to bring glad tidings to the poor, anointed by the Holy Spirit, 
bringing liberty to captives, sight to the blind, the oppressed to go free. And so that's Jesus. That's God. That's the power of God's love to bring about such freedom. You know, and then we can ask ourselves, when have I, when am I poor? When am I blind? When am I a captive? When am I oppressed? You know, when in my life, and there's many times throughout our lives, we are poor, we are oppressed, we are blind, we are sinful. When can we be an encourager to give glad tidings to the poor, a listener, a compassionate friend, to walk with someone and not question them, not advise them, but just to walk with them through a difficult time? to help the blind see, to help expose the truth, to help educate the ignorant, to share the word of God, you know, to proclaim liberty. What's happening this weekend in our country of people standing for life, the march for life. You know, the other side is marching for death. It's true. They don't understand, or maybe they do. Those that support abortion, euthanasia, physician-assisted suicide, go down the list. The taking of one's own own life or another life intentionally is against God's law, period. The captives go free. We want to release the captives from the darkness of believing that such a law, a law for the land to provide abortion, the killing of human life? No, we want to proclaim a year acceptable for the Lord. The gift of life should be celebrated and protected, and a precious gift life is. Jesus is saying, in a sense, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I think that's the takeaway for me, is to remember the kingdom of God is at hand right now in my lifetime today. January 23rd, year C, third Sunday in ordinary time, the kingdom of God is at hand and I'm called to respond. My life matters. Your life matters. Each and every human life matters. We matter because God loves us, because God made us in his image and likeness for a purpose. Every human life is sacred. So let's bring sight to the blind by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Have a blessed week. If you have an opportunity to be physically at a March for Life or a Gathering for Life event this week, do so. Pray for the culture of life to continue to be built up. And I'll look forward to talking with you again next week. You have been listening to Faith Moments with Dina Marie, reflections upon the liturgical scripture readings for the Sunday Mass. New podcast episodes are released weekly through the generous support of Mater Dei Radio. To learn more about Faith Moments with Dina Marie, visit me online at dinamarie.org. That's dinamarie.org. May you have a blessed week. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. 
You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.